Um, hello, everyone. My name is Rafael, and I would like to welcome everyone to my Hatchet Photography podcast. Today is an extremely special day for me. Um, I am honored to speak to one of my idols, um, amazing photographer out of New York, uh, Mark Mann. You are like a hero when it comes to, you know, portrait photography. Um, your portfolio is just breathtaking. And as I mentioned, like I've been following you for many, many years. You've been my inspiration. I've been also trying to study your photos because they make <laughs> funny. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for accepting my invitation because this is like, you know, a treat for me. So oh, thank wow. you. Treat for me so as well. Thank you. Um, yes. So I would like to start with just kind of getting a little bit into your world. And then I was trying to dig some bio and some information about you. There's not much, or maybe I'm just not a good at, at the kind of researching things, but would you mind and tell me a little bit about how did you get into photography? Like how did you, how this whole thing started? Um, what was the process and, and when did you decide to become professional? I'm still deciding. <laughs> still deciding. <laughs> I'm still deciding if that's what I want to do. Um, I I was uh, I, I was a, a, a high school kid who loved art. Um, I was good at art, uh, not amazing, but I I I I found it. I find it. I find doing art and being creative one of my best subjects. Um, I would. I also. I also love creative writing, but I. I just was so not good at English that it prohibited it. You know, my. You know, nowadays if you're really creative and you've got ideas, they kind of let you record them or type them or whatever. But at this point, you know, to in order to express it, they had to write it. You know, freehand, and I never had the patience or the time or the ability. So I found that art was a, a really good creative outlet. Um, so when I was kind of working on what I, what I wanted to do for my life, um, I, I really didn't see uh, art apart from graphic design. I knew some graphic designers how, how it was possibly going to be a career art, um, and then uh, I. I was about 16 um, and I went on to, I had some friends coming up from Manchester and I lived in Glasgow and I was just doing a little quick jump across to Edinburgh to mm. meet some friends at the Edinburgh Festival. And um, I, I basically met a girl on a train and uh, I was, she was, you know, an older woman of at least 18. And I sat down opposite her and started talking very kind of, forward move for a young man but that was kind of in my personality and she told me she was studying photography at um, Manchester School of uh, Design mm -hmm. I thought well, that's what I'm gonna do so I had a great time at the festival I came back to my high school and asked my uh, high school teachers if we had photography or a dark room or anything mm -hmm. and he said yeah we do um and I was pretty close to my art teachers and uh, uh, David Marshall, David Marshall, um, one of my teachers took me into this dark room that they had set up and uh, we didn't have any negatives, but, you know, I put my glasses down and my keys and a couple of other things and he exposed a piece of paper like Man Ray style on the enlarger and we put it in the developer and, and I just saw this, this image appearing and I just thought it was so magical. I thought, actually, this is kind of a good idea. Um, went home, asked my dad if I could borrow his camera. I think he had like a an Insure Shot 100, uh, you know, compact camera like a lot of people had. Mm -hmm. I started to take photographs, um, black and white, and uh, Mr. Marshall, my art teacher, showed me how to print them. And um, I started to build up a, a portfolio of kind of the art that I'd made. Um, you know, I'd done a lot of sculpture and I photographed it and everything. And then I kind of, at the end of the year, applied to art school. Mm -hmm. My parents were like, what school? I'm like, art, art school. All right. 
Um, and I did a foundation course, um, which was like a general discipline course where you didn't really have to decide at the beginning what you wanted to, I suppose, major in. And then, uh, you know, I always kind of knew I wanted to major in photography. And then after that year or nine months of that year, I applied to the photo school there and uh, miraculously was accepted. Um, and the young lady that I'd met on the train was in third year when I was in first year. And uh, we've, we've been friends ever since. We have, Well, we don't see each other as often as we used to, but we're friends. And uh, I started to study photography at Manchester. And that, that's that's genuinely the story of, okay. you know, of how it started. But, you know, even you go to college, you go to college for four years. Um, and I, listen, as I say, I don't know really how it is now, but. They teach you nothing about being a photographer. They teach you a little bit about art history and maybe how a camera works and how strobes work, but that's such a tiny, tiny part of the craft of being a photographer. Absolutely. So that leads me to the next question. Like, how did you, like, well, first of all, why did you decide to focus on photographing, you know, people? So it was like a, specific kind of decision throughout a process because photography yeah, I, is a really big bag of different genres of photography. So why did you decide to work with people and photograph them? Um I'm 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 not you know I can't I can't talk about like a specific time that this happened. Yeah, but yeah. I wasn't I wasn't great at photographing landscapes. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't have a lot of patience um within photography. So, you know, I'd get somewhere and the light would be rubbish. And mm -hmm. maybe if I was doing like something in my course, the landscape people who were leaning to landscape was, well, let's wait a couple of hours mm -hmm. and uh, see if the light changes. I'm like, no, wait a couple of hours. I'm going to go photograph the guy in the cafe because he's around. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just, I, th I felt that, you know, I, I think I initially started with, you know, access. I had access to people. Um, mm -hmm. I had access to my family. I had access to all the crazy people on my course. I was living in a university town with 40,000 students. I just had access. And, you know, a lot of people wanted to have their picture taken. And that seemed to to draw that into me. And it draw, draw me into that. And I think, you know, from like the very first time that I started to make portraits, um, I've been practicing the craft of making portraits mm -hmm. and it evolves and it changes and your your aesthetic changes and you know eventually I suppose after 30 odd years you kind of get an idea of what you're doing and how to do it but it's still it's still a mystery because every face is different you know listen I'm sure it's the same for still life folk who are photographing things and Every shot is different, but for me, every every face, man, every face deserves a special treatment. Every personality needs a different encouragement to show, and it's just a constant, constant learning curve. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's why I enjoy it the most. Absolutely. So, how your style change over the years? Like you know, because I know, as you said, your aesthetics changes over the time and then you just kind of developing your style over many, many years, endless photo shoots, working with different people. So you see like yeah. a huge difference when you started and not in, in what you're doing right now. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it is a lot of that comes from, you know, uh, uh, situation. So when I, when, when, when I first started, I, I suppose, the first thing I, I really kind of started when I moved to New York 27 years ago, I would say is like when, when I, some kind of career started to happen. And I started off shooting a lot of music. Um, and what was really hot right now was kind of the birth of hip hop or not the birth because hip hop was a decade old, but the rise of hip hop. And I started to shoot a lot of hip hop. I, I, I can tell you how I think that happened, but I had no particular love for the culture of music. I, I I grew to love it and understand it, but I I knew nothing about it, which was an advantage in a lot of ways. But you know, you you there was a lot of 
it, I, I think it was kind of a little bit like shooting rock and roll in the early days. It was a lot of unpredict unpredictable situations with talent. Um, and, you know, you, you had to work fast to mm -hmm. make stuff happen. And, you know, back back, back then I was shooting like an, an RZ 6.7 with uh, manual focus. Um, I don't really think there was much autofocus for medium format cameras at that time. The RZ was a workhorse. Mm -hmm. I actually have one. So this is this is how we were shooting. I don't know, like twelve pounds or ten pounds. It's a tank, and you have ten frames on that magazine. Um, and I think uh, I think because there was so much uh, energy in the studios and so much energy, there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of dance. There was a lot of crazy. Um, mm -hmm. You needed a lot of light because you you didn't want to shoot anything uh, narrow focus because if you did you weren't gonna get anything sharp so you you know you would start out like like can i shoot f22 yeah you can but you're gonna need a ton of light mm -hmm. so everything was a ton of light yes you you know you've got 10 shots and you're trying to get something in focus while somebody was moving so it was really good training for working fast work working you know you know, thinking on your feet mm -hmm. um, and just making sure you, you tried to get a shot. And I, so that was a, a whole ton of light. Mm -hmm. um, when when I when I stopped really shooting music um, so much, you know, it's all these things that happen in synergy. Um, by that point, I was shooting a little uh, contact 645 medium format. Mm -hmm. And basically the company contacts was going out of business mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I had two or three bodies and a set of glass. And every time I would like have a, I would have a body in repair somewhere, you mm -hmm. know, eventually it was in Japan, the lenses start. So I was like, Oh, I, I need a new camera, man. I, I don't, I can't, I can't work like this anymore. I, you know, I don't know what, you know, my camera's not working and whatever. Um, so Leica had just brought out a medium format camera called the S. And when they brought out the S2, they brought out a, an adapter ring for contacts glass. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can see so what you're saying. I can keep all my glass. Mm -hmm. I don't really need a new body, which sounded pretty appealing to me. There was some sensor size differences, but it wasn't like this crazy shift of a whole new system. Mm -hmm. Um and I did that, and I just happened to meet some people at Leica at the time when I bought it, which was wonderful. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody lends me a Leica lens, like a 120mm portrait lens, and I had to shoot a little bit with it. I was like, yeah, it's just fine. It's great. F22. Great. Like, what? F22? You know, you're supposed to shoot that wide open. I'm like, huh? So like, open it up wide. What does this do? Like can't, you know, using strobe, can't get the light down low enough, you know, massive strobes. Like, well, have you thought about trying like LED lights or or, mm -hmm. or hot lights so you can, you know, lower your light? Oh, that's the thing. Um, and at the same kind of time, the type of people I was shooting was different and the studio became quieter. Mm -hmm. um, energy energy wise and me wise i think and all of a sudden i'm shooting like f2 with very little light and people that were more still um and then that was just like a, a explosion that you know yeah. i built, built a lot of career on these crazy high energy pictures mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that wasn't working for me anymore and that well you know um, and that is kind of like that was like a first major major shift to oh I only shoot I shoot on everything wide open and mm -hmm. um, I don't need these crazy strobes and then I got involved with a company out of the UK called Rotolite who who make LED lights who are just amazing mm -hmm. and uh, I got involved with Leica 
and that's kind of how it's been for for the last while. But you know, it's also like I, I can be brutally honest. Uh, about I don't know a while ago, um, I moved into a new studio space with some friends. Uh, they were a small ad agency. We worked together a lot. It was great to move in with them. It was beautiful space in Chinatown. It was very beautifully lit. The only problem was was a five floor walk up. There was no elevator. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly started to think about, hmm, how can I work without carrying gear? <laughs> you know, going on location. <laughs> My sister and anybody who was with me was like, well, "What do we have to take?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> much, no much." Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that that kind of evolved into doing a lot of these ring light porches because this ring light was like, you know, you threw it over your shoulder and you could do this ring light porch and you could do it anywhere. And, yes. You know, it was literally carrying a small camera bag. So for a lot of while, for a long time, my work was very <laughs> time. The ring light and the camera. Um, then moved to somewhere with these people that had an elevator, and yeah. also we started to take more gear out on location. So you know, it's uh, it's like needs must a lot. Um, and you know, and, but but the reality is, I think you know, with higher ISOs, mm-hmm. as long as we're not using the higher ISOs, um, and with you know more better sensors i think you know the equipment do you shoot digitally these days or you're still experimenting with film like how does yeah i mean i i um i still i shoot digitally mostly commercial because that is what is asked for mm-hmm. um i i i have a, a, a an old graphlex 4x5 5x4 i don't know which way it is anymore um, which I love to shoot, but I used to shoot a lot of the, the the Fuji or the Polaroid Instant on it. Okay. This gorgeous four by five instant picture, beautiful mm-hmm. colors. It was delightful, but kind of everyone stopped making that film. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough now. I actually shoot some film with it. Um, so I still shoot film with it, but the RZ is coming a little bit back more into play. I, I really enjoy shooting with that. It's, well, it's, it's a, a real camera. Yeah, it's a lesson on how to, uh, you know, how to like slow down, compose your pictures, focus your picture. You know, it's a lesson because you just don't have never-ending shooting ability. So yeah. it keeps you grounded. Yeah. I mean, shooting yeah. film definitely keeps you grounded. Yeah. Especially like, you know, I'm not, I'm not shooting film for art. I'm mm-hmm. trying to shoot film to make the... You know, um, I see a lot of people that are doing amazing things with film, but I get the feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, that the more of a disaster the mm-hmm. shot is or the lighting is or the processing is or the printing is, the happy they are with the art. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I've never been great at that. Um, mm-hmm. So if I fuck, excuse my language, if I mess up my lighting, I'm pissed. I'm not like, ooh. Look at that fabulous flare. It's like, nah, it's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So um, it's trying to shoot film in the way that uh, ooh, I would need as a professional today. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, uh, oh, that's a happy mistake guy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's and talk about your creative <laughs> process. Um, Sorry, sir? Let's talk a little bit about your creative process because, um, you ooh, know, that's your. Uh, your portfolio, like you work with really high profile people. So my question to you is like, when you're getting into this type of sessions, like, do you have image in your mind you want to create or you just ca- coming like, you know, um, open page and see what happens, how I'm going to deal with these people, you know, how the, how the, the dynamics going to work. And then you're going to try to create during the process or like how this whole, because that's what I'm kind of very curious. Um, I, like how I, does it look I, on your end? Yeah, I, I think, I think it, 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 you know, creative process is something that I thankfully have never really thought about until the last, you know, half decade. And the okay. only reason I've thought about it is because people have asked. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you start to try and work out what your creative process is, you're like, oh, is that my creative process? I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> so um, I think with the weird thing about creative process is when I really think about it, mm-hmm. um, it kind of messes me up because, okay. you know, the, 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 no, no, I'd certainly answer, but the, the, 
the way I see it is like, you know, if you've been doing something for a while, I mean, I would say like, you know, a couple of years, it's like, um, how do you get dressed? If you ask me if I put my right sock on first or my left sock on first, I can't really tell you until I think about it. Yes. And the next morning, and the next morning I go to put my right, is that the one I put on? So I, I find my creative process is very like that. I'm really trying not to focus on what I can tell you is I'm still incredibly nervous before every shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not nervous, there's something wrong. Um, I know that whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I'm trying to be prepared for all these situations. I certainly can tell you that there's uh, a fair amount of time, you know, worrying about what can go wrong, you know, uh, like crazy, like, oh, do I have another camera? If this one breaks, your camera's never broken in 10 years, but I'm still worried that I don't have a backup camera. I have great anxiety dreams about my camera turning into jelly. When oh, I'm wow. like, not like, you know, sitting in front of a president and, my camera is jelly. I mean, I have a lot of anxiety dreams. Um, wow. You know, my mom describes it best as that, uh, you know, like like a duck here or a swan. You're you're you you give out the impression that you're floating across the top of this lake and it's seamless, but mm-hmm. underneath your little legs are like this. And I, I feel like that an awful awful lot. I feel like I'm, you know, panicking like under, but with practice and with you know, never-ending practice. You mm-hmm. kind of disguise that and and give off this. I feel it's very important to give off a, a feel of like I'm I'm kind of confident in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, look, some of it is definitely experience. Uh, there's definitely experience there that it's kind of hard to throw me in a situation where um, something some new disaster happens. Mm-hmm. Any disaster. Did you have some kind of like a crazy story which you could share? Like, you know, you run into some really difficulties, or like everything was pretty smooth over the years. Oh my god. No. Anything that can go wrong can go wrong has gone wrong. I've had like uh I've been on set twice where um once I dropped my camera off the edge of the set table, I went to put it down and my camera flipped over and the lens banged into it and I I That's didn't it. have my medium format camera. It was a disaster. High profile. Um, I was once on set where my photo assistant um, dropped. I handed him my camera to change a lens, and uh, I, he fumbled. And you know, uh, I've been on set where I've taken 130 pictures or 100 and something picture, 130 pictures, and I realized that my tether to my computer is not working. And these 30 pictures haven't come in. Um, I've been on situations where, you know, I've I've got there and my camera batteries aren't charged. I mean, every disaster that you can think about. That's how you learn, I guess, right? Like, like overprotective and you just like double check everything twice. Double, double, triple check. But, you know, there's also this kind of, security and knowing listen i have a spare camera how many right. cameras can i bring you know if two cameras go down one what am i going to tell you it's like yeah. you know so um there's also that security but yeah i mean there's definitely times that bad things happen you know mm-hmm. you know the other bad thing that can happen is and this is probably the weirdest one and the hardest one to fix is you kind of think you have an idea of what you want to do um you, you you know you're working with say i don't know a, a certain personality you've you've done a little research you, you've gone a little deeper into who they are than just they were in this show this show this show you thought okay so the client's asking for this and i've got to produce this um let's do this light with this option with this camera and then you get there and everything seems to be fine. The light's fine. Camera's fine. Everything's right. You take your first picture and it just doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. And then you're at this place where everything should look good and it doesn't. And at that point, you got to make some serious adjustments. What have I done? Is it the light that's not working? Is it my angle that's not working? You know, 
that's that to me is a, a much harder to fix than yeah. I don't have my camera, you know, I don't have the the lens that I wanted or something. Mm-hmm. So how the, typically you react to this? Are you trying to fix stuff or are you just like hoping, okay, maybe this is gonna work? Um no, I don't I sorry, my my router just fell off the shelf because I kicked it. Okay. Um no, I, I'm I'm very, very fast in making okay. changes. I, I, I think the the English the expression is flogging a dead horse. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could take a hundred pictures here, and I'm not going to be happy with any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, all right, and you know, and look what I would say to all photographers, and or anyone in life to a certain extent is, if you show any fear, um, yes. or or any distaste in your face and you're working with another human being, that human being is going to think it's them that's the problem. It doesn't matter if they look, you know, you could be photographing a super, well, maybe not a supermodel, because, but you could be photographing a very confident person and you take a picture and you go, hmm, they're going to think it's them, right? I mean, you can't, so you, you know, you just like, oh shit, it's my light. But you got to say, wow, you look fantastic. You look amazing, but, kind of messed up my light let me try and make my light better because i think i you know so it's i think always taking responsibility for stuff um honesty and integrity without panic is a good way so Mm -hmm. you know um wow um that light i I, we i i i'm kind of like where this is going but i'd like to make my light better you know what i think it'd be better if you stood up you know but listen i'm not a great liar um, I don't lie well, but I can do uh, integrity. Trust me, I'm being honest. Yeah. So you know, and that's that's that is that is experience and practice. That's that's not natural for me. Um, that's just practice. So it's like, it hey. absolutely. So I'm sure you're getting asked about is like from everybody, but I would like to kind of talk a little bit about um, you know doing a session for presidents because that's we're talking about really really high profile people and you know if you could just give a little bit or maybe glimpse how this whole thing even look like because you know i'm I'm guessing there is security there is all this stuff like how this kind of preparation for shoot like this even look like because i i know as you said it's a nerve-wracking i'm 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 guessing you know it's it's, you don't have like you know two hours to work with them it's just in and out i'm guessing maybe seven fifty seven minutes 15 minutes uh, but yeah so when for obama it was uh, i mean let's talk about the biggest honor of your life as an immigrant to the to the uk uh, to the us to be invited to shoot a sitting president in the white house i mean it's just i can't it's just i can't even i don't actually even believe it's real and well, there we go Yes, this, this I'm prepared. <laughs> so uh, we are told that we need to be at the White House at 8 a.m. and we need to go to a certain gate. And we had come down to Washington the night before. And I had requested if we could possibly have, there was four people allowed in the White House with, with our team. I had requested two photo assistants and a creative director. Um, and there was some pushback and I was allowed one photo assistant, the editor of the piece and the creative director. So I'm also a little bit worried. This is back in the time where I was using a little more light as well, as you can see. Now I would approach it differently. But um, I was very, very anxious about you know getting set up. We were gonna have about 45 minutes to set up and 15 minutes to shoot. That's mm-hmm. what we had been told. So 7.30, we're rolling out our hotel, and uh, we get a call from the White House that uh, president's running late. Uh, the Greek economy has just crashed, mm-hmm. and he's trying to meet with the Greek prime minister or something. Could we come at 10? And you have half an hour to set up and 10 minutes to shoot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we get there at 10, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of security to get into the White House. Mm-hmm. So it's like very it's like going through the airport but with people that 
have the utmost respect. I mean, as far as I, when I kind of asked them, I said they, their attitude was, you, you're, you've been invited to visit with the president. That, that's an honor. Um, and we serve the president. And it's, you know, you guys, we, we're not trying to, we, we're just trying to make this experience as easy as possible for you. So dogs went over my equipment. You know, every piece was handled by secrets. I'm not sure if there were secret service. But there were certainly people that had, you know, very politely. Like there was, I have one lens that had a sticky lens cap, and uh, he, you know, very polite, made me take the lens cap off, and you know, whatever. And then we get into the White House, and the, the, this room that we're, where that you can see there is called the diplomatic room, and it's uh, it's right in the middle of the White House. So you can either enter it from the front door through the pillar through the pillars, or from the back door which leads out onto the lawn um, where, you know, the helicopter lands. So we're taken in there and we're handed, like you can see like a hundred little carpet squares there. Mm. And basically secret service. Well, first thing that happens is my, uh, my photo director takes, it's, it's also August. The White House is a very old house and the air conditioning was not cranking. Mm. Um, so we're sweating crazy because it's like a hundred degrees outside. And my uh, creative director, uh, David Cucurito, takes off his jacket and throws it over that yellow couch that you can see there. And the Secret Service guy just goes, sir, the last person to sit on that was probably President Lincoln. Could you please remove your jacket? Wow. Whoa. All right. Excuse me. (laughs) So I'm starting, I'm running around, setting off, I'm trying to, you know, I split it between my assistant and me and my assistants, but my, more of a digital tech. So um, I'm running around putting the lights up and he's doing the car and getting the, the cart set up. And this is a really like kind of cheeky secret service guy. And he comes up, up to me and he goes, are you the photographer? I said, yes, sir, Mark, the photographer. Nice to meet you. He goes, okay, just checking, just checking who you are. Well, okay. And I get on and literally running around and, lights and Teddy comes up again and goes, I don't think you're the photographer. <laughs> I go, why? Why why I'm mocking I ask her, he goes, uh, because we had a photographer here a couple of weeks ago and all she did was stand and shout at like three people to move stuff around. Have you heard of her Annie somebody? Annie? Annie? <laughs> <laughs> I realized he was totally totally messing with me and, and just be really funny. Um and uh it was just it was it was a really nice break of comedy, and he was mm-hmm. really cool. Can I help you with anything? I know you don't have a lot of time, yeah. so we get set up, we get all set up, and uh, we're told the president's coming in ten minutes, and we're like, all right. And then we get presents running late. You guys have an hour. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like swimming around in this room for an hour and. You know, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, my only vice left is my vape pen. So I'm going into the little bathroom off the China room and I'm vaping and the window's open. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we get back into the room and uh, the room kind of fills up. There'd been some secret service, but the press secretary comes in. Um, the White House photographer comes in. And like some like people come in and we're like, all right, things are happening. And I'm starting chatting to the Secret Service guy, and I can hear through his radio, Hodus leaving West Wing. Like, oh my god, President's actually walking from the West Wing to us. Um, and you know, I'm expecting somebody to go, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America, Mr. Bar- <laughs> president Barack Obama. But it's his house, so he just walks in, right? He's like, All right, what's happening in the air? And my director of photography was gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. The editor that I was working with is gobsmacked. I think, wait, is this up to me? Is it me? So I kind of walk over and go, hi, Mr. President. Nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Mark. We're the Esquire team. Could you uh, have, a, have a seat over there, sir? And he goes to sit down and he sits down. And I start, start taking pictures. And he's just looking at me, and I'm taking pictures. I'm like, well, I haven't introduced myself. I, the, 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 there's been no hello, you know. 
So I kind of put my camera down to my side and I walk towards him. And as I'm walking towards him, there's like two Secret Service guys kind of come out to meet me to like, why are you walking towards the president? And I get close to say, this is super weird, but I'm Mark, I'm an immigrant to this country. It's an honor to come to your house and meet you. I'm a blethering idiot, so I'm going to go back there and take photos. But I just wanted to introduce myself. And then I said, how's your day, sir? Are you busy? And he cracked up with laughter. He said, go take your photos. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we had this, I would say for maybe a minute, a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, we had something. Mm-hmm. And I could see that, you know, I think Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were waiting for a meeting. I can't remember who it was, but his next meeting was running very late because of us. And that was like the tech giants. I think it was Bezos, Gates, and um, uh, 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 what's his name? Apple. Anyway, Tim Apple. Not Tim yeah. Apple, but uh, Steve Jobs. Um, so I, I lose it. I, I just, I, I know I've lost him. I've got 40, 45 odd frames. And somebody shouts, you got it? And I went like, yeah, I got it. And he goes, wow, that's great. Come on, let's all take a photo with me. Mm-hmm. And he spent a couple of minutes talking with us. And then he left. And it was like, it was like all the air and light and everything just left the room with him. And you're mm-hmm. just left feeling like, it was a bizarre feeling. Totally, yeah. Bizarre. Um, and when I think about it now, it's like I, I just actually can't believe that it actually happened. Um, I, I got sometimes I, if I'm really super nervous about something, I kind of have this out of body experience. It's really strange where I, I kind of like um, there's this guy taking photos called Mark Man, and I'm hmm. floating above watching him. It's okay. really bizarre. Yeah. So because that's that, why I was kind of curious, you know, how that works because. It's not like, you know, I think it's a different story where you're meeting someone like that, right? Because, you know, there is some kind of like common interaction where you introduce yourself, they introduce, but now you have to work with this person, right? You have to direct them, you have to tell them what to do, or, you know, you sit there, you know, I don't know, turn this way, whatever. So it's completely different dynamics, right? So that's why, you know, I don't, I think I would feel exactly the same. It would be like an out-of-body experience because, you know... It's, you're certainly right and like with a lot of people like as this you know like people everybody says how do i look i go i'm not telling you how you look you're the president you look great yeah. <laughs> you know? and i think with uh, most people i've photographed i think they appreciate that respect i mean at some point i may say uh sir could you move or ma'am could you move your head to the left or to the right a little bit and let's see that mo- you know let's see that smile or let's see this or whatever so there, I do certainly do some direction, but that that's another thing that I really try not to over-direct because you you don't really want them thinking about uh, this. How's that? It's like, man, just be you. We'll yeah. capture a moment of you. Um, and I think that comes from not directing and uh, I think, you know, letting people be themselves and giving them that minute not to be themselves and to see you as listen not a friend but somebody like hey we're just trying to get this done so mm-hmm. you can get back to your meeting and uh i can go home yeah and i i think people appreciate that and uh it's really you know it's really hard to, but you you it's you, you just have to kind of find your level with everyone and I think a lot of finding your level with everyone comes from the bottom line is we're all human beings, right? And, uh, you know, try, trying to find common commonality with other human beings is so much where, you know, photography, portrait photography is, but um, not to get too crazy, but it's just where, where, what it is in life. It's like find a commonality with a person. Uh, if you have to have an interaction with anyone, make it a good interaction, you know, Absolutely. or make it as pleasant as it can. Listen, I'm not perfect. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. many days where people close to me um, probably have tried to kill me. <laughs> but my, 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 my 
I would like to think that my ethos is if you're going to have an interaction, make it pleasant. Even if it's an unpleasant thing you got to talk about, you know, I listen to people like screaming at people in stores and I'm just looking at the person who's getting screamed at going, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm not budging. I don't care. I've got screamed at by better than you. But if your approach is more like, hey, listen, I know that you didn't do this, but it's a problem that I have. Can we work it? I, I just think that's a much better way of trying to, to get through things. And, and all these interactions that happen in everyday life, I think you can apply to portrait photography. Absolutely. So was your um, experience working with Bill Clinton was similar or was completely different? Uh, Bill wasn't in the White House. Um, Bill is a Bill is a memory that is. I don't know if it's photographic. I don't know if if it's an elephant. I I don't know what it is. But mm-hmm. Bill Clinton has the most incredible recollection for anything that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now I met him once before, a long story I'm not going to go into, but I met him once before at a dinner. Um, Mm -hmm. And ironically, um, uh, (laughs) I've got to give you a little context. So um, at that time, I was married to somebody Mm -hmm. and he knew uh, my father-in-law. And that's how I met him and whatever through there. And um, then when I went to to photograph him, it was maybe eight, nine years later, um, and I was remarried to somebody else who had ironically worked with him. He was uh, my father-in-law, is a, was the ambassador to Ukraine. He was special counsel to uh, uh, to uh, Cyprus, and he, you know he'd he, he was he'd worked for the president. Um, so I meet him. And I say, hey, I've actually met you before um, with so-and-so. And he goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. I said, but, you know, I'm not with that person anymore. I'm, I'm not married to that person anymore. He looks at me. I said, I'm actually married to so-and-so who's uh, Alfred Moses's stepdaughter. And he goes, oh, so you're Fern's daughter's husband. Like, wow, you remember my mother-in-law's name? He'd also met him once. I mean, obviously he was going to know who my father-in-law was because mm-hmm. he was his ambassador to Romania, but, oh, you're Fern's daughter. Oh, yeah, we, you know, Fern and Alfred came up to see, uh, oh, how, how is Al? And, you know, it's a, and I'm just like, wow, you have a, just amazing memory. Um, he surrounds himself by very young, or at that time it was, kind of young, very well-dressed, beautiful interns, whether male or female, but they were all just impeccable. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a character. He he told stories. He, he was engaged. Um, but once again, it's like, it's like when you meet somebody and they, they almost have like this incredible searchlight or, or lighthouse on their head. And when it shines on you, you're elevated and feel a billion dollars. I've met a few people like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Clinton was certainly one of them. And then when it turns away, you just feel deflated. They have such a big aura and personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that that was a, a much a much less fraught situation. We were in his offices, um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't fraught, um, and it was kind of cool. And I know I said something funny to for him to give me that smile, um, and you know, and that's also for me when I look at a portrait and I, I go, well, what 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 did I contribute here, apart mm-hmm. from just clicking the shutter? What did, what did I contribute to make that happen to get that connection? Um, and a portrait's a fail for me if I can say if I say I didn't do anything, like anybody could have taken that picture, yeah. But I feel that. You know, if you said something or or caused a reaction or had like this something going on between you and the sitter, then at that point, a snapshot or a picture becomes a portrait, mm-hmm. um, and that that's super important. Yeah. So, would you be okay if we could go through some few other shots? Like, I dive into your Instagram. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and honestly, I have a hard time to pick one because I would just go through all of them. But those <laughs> some of the ones which are, you know, kind of very um, inspirational for me. And I would like to kind of, if you could just give me a little bit of kind of like a backstory, how those images comes to existence. Oh God. I mean, this is it. You know, the, the, the bottom line is that you, you go to, you meet these people, you have, an interaction, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's five minutes, but you know, you, you, you get you get paid for the picture, you hope you make a good picture, you hope you hope everything's all right. Um, but what you really have and what what I think is life-changing for the photographer is the experience of getting to to be with that person and obviously you know as a portrait photographer i'm incredible oh my god i'm so fortunate to have you know had a little minute uh with so many high profile people um but i'm gonna stress at this point that it doesn't look i suppose i got some notice and became known as a photographer be because of the profile of the people i've shot but i'm just as happy shooting anyone if there's a face in front of me, that makes me happy. But to to to, to uh, Ron Williams, I mean, if you ask me, like which of my heroes I photographed, uh, Robin Williams is definitely one of my absolute heroes. I mean, you know, I grew up watching Mark and Mindy in, in the the seventies and eighties in in Scotland, and just his character was just mind blowing. Everything about him, so you know. Getting to meet with him was was amazing. We, we, we he's he was shooting something in L.A. and we go to L.A. to make this portrait and you know dealing with the publicists and the people and well what kind of space you need? Uh, we don't need much. It's just a ring light portrait. We can do it pretty much anywhere. Um, we just you know would prefer somewhere that's not direct sunlight. It's inside. Um, they say, well, can we give you a a, a little corner of one of our uh, uh, hangers. I'm like, sure. So we get there and we're a couple of hours early and they take us into like hangar B or whatever it's called. And it's this massive, massive like airplane size hangar. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, so we'd like set up in the corner on the back corner because the doors are open and the sunlight's coming in, California sky, California blue, really picturesque. And we set up way back in the side with the least light. Um, and I'm all set up and we're just waiting, you know, as usual. And, you know, I think we get a text or somebody texts us and says, okay, Mr. Williams is on his way. And I, I look at the door and I wish I'd had some kind of video camera because this is just man walking in like, casting this long shadow towards us because the sun's coming down and it was just, my God, that's Robin Williams. Robin Williams is coming over here. It's mm -hmm. coming over here. And my mind is just, again, just like blown. So he eventually gets over, walks over to us and he goes, hello. I said, hello, Mr. Williams. I'm Mark Mann. Um, we're going to take this picture. It's going to be... He goes, wait, are you Scottish? I'm like, yes, sir. And he immediately goes into Mrs. Doubtfire but the most vulgar Mrs. Doubtfire you could ever imagine. Oh, wow. And at this point, I'm in, I'm in uncontrollable laughter. I'm in Mrs. Doubtfire just cursing and, and I'm just dying. And he goes, oh, I know another one, Mel Gibson. And he <laughs> does Mel Gibson doing his Scottish accent and Braveheart. And mm -hmm. he is so on it. Um, I, I, I just can't. Stop laughing. It's just, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm having this experience. Um, so eventually he sits down and we talk. And, you know, my camera's for the, this is a weird rig for me because the camera was actually on a tripod because I wanted it level with their eyes. And I, I was trying to make, you know, like if you look at the Clinton picture and the this picture was the same series. Um, so I don't actually really have to be looking through the camera, holding the camera. And we're just chatting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just talking to Rob Williams, pressing the shutter every so often. And because it's a fixed uh, light, there's no not a lot of shutter sound. There's not a lot of, there's no strobe. So 
I'm not sure if he's aware or not, but we we just chatted for five or six minutes, and I took a dozen, fifteen photographs, and uh, I I said him, oh, "Thank you, sir. I, I got yeah. it. The best." And he walked out the same way he came in. <laughs> it's just fantastic. But and you I know, I tell like, I tell these yeah, stories. Sorry. It's like I can't actually believe that I did that. You know, it's like. It's it's bizarre to me. It's like it's not, it's not. It's it's just so beyond. It, it it's hard for me to actually realize that I've done that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I'm I'm a struggling photographer. I mean, that, I know that may sound stupid, but I think all photographers are trying to evolve, and you know, especially like old guys like me are trying to get their head around. The new ways and you know I, I don't think I've ever had a moment in my life that I don't feel like I'm a struggling photographer you know mm-hmm. and, and you know and it's, it's weird for me to go back and tell these stories because I feel very inflated and then I'll come off and I'll finish this podcast it's like oh Christ what do I have to do now <laughs> you know so yeah. it's almost good when I'm talking about someone else it's bizarre Absolutely. Yeah, but I think you know you cannot really put price on those type of experiences, right? It's something that it's no. No. It, it, it's just for you, and it's 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 something that nobody's gonna take this away from you. It doesn't matter, you know, like you have tons of yeah. money, you have no money. This is something that it's you're gonna cherish the rest of your life, and I think that's what is amazing about maybe dementia. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, that's the one thing. I yeah, <laughs> but also what I what I would like to add to this. Is, is that you you point this out at the beginning about the landscape and other type of photography but like if you really like we don't need much right as a portrait photographers like you need little corner of something you can have this character and it's it's, it's just you can start the cameras rolling and it's the show is is basically happening at the front of you right so yeah and you know it's like I, I, I get a lot of young photographers, photographers, people, uh, what lens you use, what camera do you use? And I, the answer sounds so pathetic when I say it doesn't matter. Worry about the, the image you're making, worry about your interaction with the mm-hmm. person you're working with. Um, and it just sounds like shit advice because we're so conditioned I, me too to to be thinking about is this the right lens is this the right camera is this the right light and you know all these things are majorly important but you can practice all these things you know practice at home um you you know get your mom to sit for a portrait do 20 different lightings see what these things are all like practicable but where where, where you don't want to be thinking about that stuff is when you're sitting opposite somebody, you just want an experience. And you don't yes, want it yes. because you taking from them. You want to be giving. And the more you give, the more you'll get back, I find. Um, yes. And so, listen, so, you know, I I often don't work with lighting setups that are incredibly, you know, I have friends that do beauty and, you know, I've been on set and I've you know assisted enough beauty photographers back in the day that they've got a, an eye light and if that model moves quarter of an inch or half an inch the other way the eye light doesn't mm-hmm. work don't do that when you're trying to photograph somebody you know because you're not going to get you might get some technically perfect image um but you're not going to get any personality you're not going to get anything really going on so you know, make your light a little wider. Give your subject some space to move around in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's re- is really, really important. Absolutely. So we actually just getting closer to an hour. Um, oh. I'd like to touch still a couple of images, if you okay. Sure. Um, I'll talk a little bit about this shot. Um, he's one of my biggest heroes. Um and you know, I'm I'm gonna say honestly, I'm jealous you just have a chance to meet with him because I I religiously listened to this guy. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he was one of those people who, you know, like is a treasure. Um, so if you could tell me a little bit about this this show. Yeah, Carlin was one of the first 
I'd say leg legends or icons I photographed outside of music. And if you look at the picture, um, it's you. The, the way I can see that it's an old picture is first of all it's shot on film. Um, second of all, you can see it's like F twenty two. I mean, sharp from to back to middle to out to everywhere. Um, third of all, I'm using like a, a style of light that I used on kind of hip hop back in the day, where I've got this two side lights and I, I just look at it and go, oh, my God, I'd love to go back and do that again. Um, but, you know, I, I'd i like to say I had much more input into this photograph, but Carlin was just such a master. Mm -hmm. um, and I had brought some props. I brought some chattering teeth. I think I brought a rubber chicken um, and bought a deck of cards. And as we were talking, he just takes a joker, slips it in there and goes like, whatever he did like this. So, uh, and that was that photo. So um, I'd like to say I had a lot more. He did, you know, I think our conversation, we did have a little more interaction, but um, I, I didn't I didn't make, I I can't say that that was a, a true Markman exceptional experience. I mean, first of all, we shot in Las Vegas in some uh, suite, not suite, uh, ballroom. And I think that the jokers at check-in had given us a room like the furthest away from this room that they mm -hmm. gave you know, with like a mile walk with like one of these carts mm -hmm. with EQ on it. And it was just by the time I got in the ballroom, I was like, I need a break. Yes. <laughs> a massive ballroom. They couldn't turn off the overhead lights. I had nothing to flag it with. It was just like it was a disaster. Um, but you know, but you, you do what you gotta do. Like now when I go to Las Vegas, I I know that I've got it. Like if I'm going to be shooting in one of these ballrooms and and I want to control the light, I know I need to flag the top off because these chandeliers and lights so they they can't shut them off. So you know yeah. I got to flag it. But you know I was young. Yeah. You know, quite often you know the beauty is born in disaster, right? That's the way I see it. Sometimes we have those situations. Yeah, just, like, it's, it's innovation. It's just innovation. It's just yeah. like I mean. Listen, now I would have the experience to know to do that. At that time, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And however hard I tried, there was like hair light because mm -hmm. I couldn't flag it. So I thought, ah, oh, well, let's just put some light around the side of his face and fill it from the front. I think there's only one light on that. If I look at his eyes, there's only one light. Now I would definitely have another little full light. Like, look, yeah. But there's, well, no, there's not a photo that I've ever taken that I don't look back at and go, ooh, I should have done that differently. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? I think also we, we look at photos differently too, right? Because we're looking at the technical side and then we try to analyze what can be done better. Mm -hmm. But I think whoever is looking at the photo, nobody can pay attention to those things, right? It's just Yeah, but we do, right? <laughs> we do, yeah. And I know sometimes it's heartbreaking because you just like look at so the like, oh, and you, they, know, they, I, you know, it's the most soul destroying when when you when you don't like it or you're not happy with it, and everybody else loves it. You're like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> but your kind of photo businessman face is like, I am so glad you like this, and yes. I love it. It's fantastic. Let's do it again. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's jump to maybe one more. Oh my God, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I've. I, I had the absolute privilege of photographing Mr. Bourdain about three or four times. This was the this was the last time I photographed him, and this must have been maybe six months before he took his own life. Yes. And okay. every time I photographed him, we, we had this like weirded, stilted dialogue. The, the the first time I photographed him, he he came in the studio. I was eating a pack of Ritz crackers. I hadn't eaten all day. I was starving. And I kind of didn't realize that they were coming in behind me. And I turned around with my pack of Ritz crackers. I said, oh, Mr. Bourdain, so nice to meet you. You want a Ritz cracker? And he just looked at me. He's like, who is this joker? Um, but, you know, I think the second time I photographed him, you know, I like Mark's all right. He's going to be quick. He's not going to mess with me. And I think the second time I said, let's see that Mr. Bourdain smile. I like, I don't smile, Mark. All right, Mr. B. And then the third time, whatever. And then this time I said, you know what? I'm not, not, not stopping taking pictures till you smile for me. So I'm not going to smile more. And I don't know what ridiculous 
dog and pony show I did or like I don't know what I did at that point and I just got this smirk and I all right we are done Mr B <laughs> absolutely um, and it's very very it's you know it's emotional you photograph somebody that's not there anymore and uh yeah. you know now looking back on it there's such a sadness in his face that mm-hmm. you know he just i just thought it was him but it wasn't it was just going through it but i love mm-hmm. that portrait i really do yeah. yeah it's it's a like a little smirk there right it's it's smile but it's it's still if he was here to argue with me, I'd say it was a smile, but I know he would say it's not a smile. That's not me smiling. <laughs> okay, I think we will squeeze one more. Let's go to this one. Uh, yeah, she's she's cool. Um, once again, you know, just a very tight situation. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of the lighting. Yeah, I think I think they wanted something on white with like a shadow close, which was kind of a trend at the time, and I don't really do trends very well, so. I wanted to do that for them. And I was getting pretty pictures, but I wasn't getting this kind of interaction picture. She was very, she's very guarded. Um, Not in a bad way. She was incredibly pleasant and lovely. And once again, it was just like Mark talking rubbish. I think I was doing Scottish accents for her or something. And uh, at some point I said something and that was like, are you crazy? Bang, you know. You've done it. Jack Black. Uh, Perfect. Is. Can we chat for one minute about this portrait? That was all him. <laughs> yes. uh, I, you know, the, the, listen, we've got to be honest. There's a lot of hams and posts sometimes. This mm-hmm. probably wasn't very well shot, probably wasn't very well exposed. But uh, he, he, he had a sweater on that. I said, why don't you try and do a, a Hemingway face? Mm-hmm. And that was just him. You know, I was thinking like cautious pictures of Hemingway, and uh, he, he he did that. I was like, snap, okay, done it. But and it then, seems yeah. like it's one of those photos where you said, you know, you might kind of pick this apart, but I think it's it's really eye catching. Oh, I, I I could go crazy about picking this apart, but you know, yeah. I'm looking at it now and thinking maybe I have to retouch it. I don't know, but um, no, you're right. It's it's it's. You, you, you kind of like, yeah, you evolve and you have a, a, some new styles and new ways of working. But I certainly think that, um, I think that, that I think, I, th- God, I think that other people think they're more relevant than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, it's like being an Uber driver. You, you finished, yeah, you got, a, you got a fare to JFK. You did it. You dropped them off. You clicked the meter. It's gone. You, you know, you, you know, you have the story, the experience, but what 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 you're doing is you're like, where's my next fair? What's next? Yeah. What, what's happening now? What am I doing today? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and I I think when you lose that, then I I don't know what I'll do. I'll probably be an Uber driver. Mm-hmm. I like I suggested it before. <laughs> <laughs> So my last question is we're running a little bit over time, but my yes, last question to you is what would be the advice to photographers who are starting off? Like, you know, they want to get into this portrait slash headshot um, photography industry. What would you say to them? Having yeah, I, I used to get really stumped by this question, but I'm not stumped by it anymore. I have a definitive answer. Yes. Practice. Okay. Practice your craft, man. That's all. If, if you're not taking photos, then you know don't rely on the picture you took two weeks ago because it was pretty good. Well, what have you learned from that, and what are you going to do differently in your next picture? So um, look forward all the time. And and the only reason I say that is like you, you say like young and beginning photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about my peers, but I certainly do that. I look mm-hmm. at it. Go, God, if only I'd had another flag up on that, or what can I learn from that? Or that person didn't find me funny. Should I have gone in with a quieter approach? Mm-hmm. And every time you practice, you build up the tools in your arsenal. I mean, you might learn something about light that day. You might learn something about f-stop. You might learn the 35 millimeter camera shooting underneath uh, on a woman of a certain age doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. Constantly, I did a shoot like a couple of weeks ago, and I looked back and I thought, "Wow, I really messed that up." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Well, I think we all have those, right? Um, but I, I think if you don't, you're delusional or yeah. um, or a sociopath. I, I don't know. You just I don't can't. You think photography, especially portrait photography, is some kind of like a addiction that you know, like you shoot, you want to do more, you want to do more, you want to do more. It's like never ending start, story. You start to collect faces. Yes. You know, you're you. You know, what do you collect? Oh, I collect faces. Mm -hmm. and I, I expect I I, I collect uh, interactions mm -hmm. between me and another human. That's what I I collect. Listen, the, uh, I I got to mention it because if I don't, um, it's uh, detrimental to me. But if anyone's interested and want to hear more about what I'm saying, I have a YouTube channel. It's yes. called Complicated Things. Um, mm -hmm. It's funny. It's uh, uh, shows you a lot of stuff that probably other. People don't yeah. show you the, real, the reality. I will, I will link all those stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Perfect. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for those for this insightful, you know, thank, podcast. Thank you, Russell. Th thank you for having me, man. It's it's always humbling. It really, it really, it really, really is. If yeah, you knew the rest, of, if you knew the rest of my day today, this is the best part. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, you know what, and then you also made my day because I had uh, like sending you. those invitation to people, and everyone was saying no, and then you said, you know, let's do it, and I'm like, I can't believe this, like, you know, it uh, was you know, it's uh, it's like uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like saying no. Listen, there's so many people that have helped me on my journey. Um, yes. If there's anything that I can give back, I don't have any money to give back. But if there's anything experience that is going to help people take, no, no, that's, that's priceless. You know, the knowledge and the experience and everything which you're sharing. I don't think you can really put price on this because this is something that you know you you learn from people who you know achieved something and then you know it helps you to don't make those mistakes sometimes, right? So, I think so. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So thank you so much. And um, thank you.